welcome to this edition of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast, sponsored by AltitudeWithGaming.com. Save 30% off on your entire order with the promo code BIGBLUE30. Alex Savage pushed back in. Seems like I'm repeating myself every podcast episode, saying mistakes by the Giants. Giants lost by score 25-23 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, I guess it's unfortunate the last two games were primetime games, but I'm not, it's not really my point. Um, that I've turned off my phone because of the level of toxicity, toxicity or whatever you want to call it, you know, on Twitter. I just can't deal with people. Like, I mean, I don't get into arguments. I just see, you know, a bunch of, you know, negativity. But it's like, you know, we lost the game, but then people are just taking things away from it that didn't even happen. Or at least not even taking the positive things away from it. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a lunatic, and maybe I'm just looking for always positive uh, reaction. But, you know, I try to be in the middle guy, and, you know, people obviously are just you know, very sad and very depressed and, you know, very turnt towards one way. But anyway, so the Giants lost 25-23. We had a lead um, going into the half, and then obviously, you know, we played the tail of two quarters, and we did not uh, play both halves. Obviously, the second half we didn't play. Uh, Dalen Jones lost two interceptions. Um, also to note, you know, the defense did a very good job, you know, Isaac Yadom, just one particular play pissed me off, but you know what, I'm going to particulate that in my positives, negatives, and points to make, so let's get to that, so the positives, Giants played well up to competition, now, you know, every idiot on ESPN, every idiot on, uh, you know, wherever you find them, you know, those fake sportscasters, because they think they know what they're talking about. They think, oh, oh, because of the betting odds. Oh, my God. The Giants are 12.5-point favorites. You know what? I'll take the Buccaneers. Uh, you know, because we're going to beat the shit out of the Giants. Well, you know what? It's 25-23. And if we can compete against the Buccaneers, something the Packers didn't do. Something that other teams couldn't do. That shows something. And I'm not saying, you know, accept moral victories. Because I'm not for that. You know, I think that we should be six and one seven and one but obviously we're not there you know it's you know it's the way it is and steam don't know how to win yet we have washington next week so let's see where that happens but uh we had a chance to beat brady and the bucks the referees also played into it and i'm going to get to that because a lot of people um in this fake sports casting industry that we have um like to defend the referees and say you know they made some good calls and some bad calls mostly siding with the case that, you know, oh, they were good all night. Because you heard ESPN last night, for the most of you that were watching the game, or at least kept it on, um, I would say up to the point of the pass interference penalty that was overturned on Deion Lewis. Uh, John Perry and, you know, the rest of the guys were like, oh, the refs have done really good tonight. No, they weren't. They weren't good. Sorry. Uh, defense played well, as I mentioned. Allowed 81 rushing yards. That's not bad. Um... I think we allowed over 300 total yards because Brady had 279 passing yards. 81 yards on the ground, you know, I would say with our run defense, you know, pretty good. And, you know, the Buccaneers, I believe, were like 21st in rushing yards coming into this game. So, you know, again, it wasn't like they were 5th. You know, they were 1st. They were 21st. So, you know, it's not necessarily the biggest surprise in the world. 
Uh, other than the three sacks, and you probably have to particularly and you know uh, dissect the film. Honestly, the O line didn't look half bad. You know, there was that one sack where uh, Devin White crossed up uh, Nick Gates and uh, Deion Lewis in pass protection. A lot of people said that was on Lemieux. I got to look at the film, and you know, Jeff Schwartz did a good breakdown on that. So you know, people were saying, "Oh, he did a good breakdown." So I said, "You know what? I'll take a look later." Um, let's see. I'm going to talk about something, you know, in the points to make or the negatives possibly about Shane Lemieux, though. Uh, Andrew Thomas, he gave up a sack to Jason Pierre-Paul. Jones was trying to step up in the pocket. He got sacked. Uh, that was either the first drive. No, it wasn't the first drive. It was either um, the last drive. It was either Ndamukong Sue or Jason Pierre-Paul that got to him. But, you know, again, points to make. We'll get to that. So, uh, Shepard, Ingram, and Slain, they had good games. Daniel Jones missing throws. You know, there was like three he should have had with Slayton that would have been touchdowns. Uh, probably more than three because you look at the, on that interception, it was either one of them. Uh, both were to the right side. So, I think it was um, the one where he wasn't under pressure. Slayton was wide open on the left. I mean, the cornerback was behind him. I think he beat Jamel Dean. I'm not sure. But... If he did, he didn't. You know, Slayton still beat his receiver. The receiver got separation this game, and Jones couldn't, you know, do a lot. And I'm going to call out Daniel Jones. You know, unlike the people, you know, on Twitter uh, that say to other Giant fans, oh, you don't call out Daniel Jones. Oh, you think he's the future, blah, blah, blah. You know what? Stop talking. Play more Wayne Gallman. I think it's evident at this point that the Giants do not trust Wayne Gallman. They wouldn't even, you know... Um, they put Alfred Morris in there for, I think it was like 20 snaps, 10 snaps, something like that. Lewis was definitely in there a lot, but it was in the case of the receiving game. You know, when you could tell like late in the game, when Lewis was on the field, you know they were going to pass it. And, you know, I wouldn't say this necessarily a bad thing, but, uh, you know, they gave Alfred Morris more carries than I probably wanted to because Morris, you know, he's dry. He hasn't played football in like a year and a half. I don't know what team he was with last year. Um, but Gallman, you know, I said on last night's live stream, uh, for the, thank you for those of you who actually checked in on that because I had 247 views and then a couple of replay views after that totaling up to 259. But I said on last night's, I said on last night's live stream, uh, I don't know why Giants fans hate this guy. I, I do not know why, you know, um, I'm not necessarily saying he's the number one back, but he's a good solid running back. Like, you know, he's a decent running back for a team that's like you know needy on the offensive line or as i said you know he's not saquon barkley but why are we hating on this guy for getting like 4.3 yards per carry or at least trying to i think it was he was like 12 rushes for 44 yards so if i'm not mistaken that's around i would say uh three almost four as i said i don't know if that stat's correct but you know what uh as i said they gotta play more wing Gallman. Uh, Leonard Williams and Carter Coughlin got sacks. Very good. Uh, I'm going to talk about Patrick Graham in a little bit. And I'm not trying to be, you know, the dissector of everything. I'm not trying to pick, 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 pick at everything. But, you know, I noticed some stuff last night just through the eye test and, you know, the first reaction. So we'll get to that. All right, here we go to the negatives. Real quickly, I just want to get a sip of water. Referees sucked, and I'm not saying, you know, this is my first negative because they blew the game, blah, 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 I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, somebody accused me on Twitter 
uh, this morning of saying, oh, you think that the referees blew the game. I said, no, they just fucked up in the wrong time. You know, I'm not saying Daniel Jones didn't throw two interceptions. You know, he did. That evidently cost the Giants the game to, I would say, 90%. Maybe even more than that. Who knows? But, you know, he's like, oh, uh, you know, you're you're blaming the refs for us losing the game when we had more problems. Yeah. Um, the referees sucked. You look at, the, I think it was the last drive, which was completely bullshit, by the way. Um, Mike Evans and James Bradbury. Bradbury, he had, like, I would probably say his worst game. You know, he allowed the touchdown in the end zone where he got evidently beat. And, you know, there was a pass interference call where he was holding the receiver. It was one of... Uh, the back receivers, I think it was Scotty Miller, Jaden Mickens, or uh, Tyler Johnson, where uh, Bradbury got beat on a route, he held the receiver, and then obviously they spotted the ball like the five, but that was like another drive, I'm talking about the last drive, you know, Evans is, you know, as much into James Bradbury as Bradbury is into Evans contact-wise, nope, let's, uh, let's throw the flag, let's throw the flag, everybody. Because, you know, we're on Brady's payroll. Hold on, I think I got a flag in my pocket. Yep, let's throw the flag. That's an actual flag, by the way. I'm not, you know, I'm not joking when I say that. But, uh, I don't know, man. You know, it just seems like in the last two games, the referees have really been screwing us. And I'm not saying that they cost the game, no. But they've really just been, you know, ticking on the Giants' mistakes. They really have. I don't know if they're under Brady's payroll... I don't know if the NFL officiating committee has, like, the best union in the world. But it's fucking ridiculous. It's ridiculous because, you know, um, somebody said it. And it was either, uh, it was either someone in the MLB, like, I would say, a media person or something. The referees and the umpires, they don't have to answer the questions, no. They don't have to answer the questions. Who has to answer the questions? Joe Judge? James Bradbury, Daniel Jones, those guys, they have to answer the questions. The referees don't. And, you know, you could say, oh, well, I'm defending Daniel Jones, and, you know, you know what? Stop with that bullshit, because you know the referees fucked up last night. And, you know, this morning, actually, I may have been last night either. I think it was, you know, this morning, I was watching Vincent Rapisardi's video. I had him on the last podcast episode to talk about the preview for the game. He screenshotted on Twitter last night a view that nobody on ESPN or even myself saw. That the defender, I think it was Antoine Winfield, was pushing Deion Lewis. Yes, he batted the pass. He did. He batted the pass. But still, Deion Lewis was not able to try to get back to the ball. He wasn't. Referees should not have picked up that fucking flag. You could be on whatever side you want. I don't care. But you know what? Yes, Daniel Jones was late to throw the ball. I said it. You know, there you go. Daniel Jones was late to throw the ball. But I'm not going to sit here and, you know, defend the refs for every single call. Because the NFL referees are worse than the MLB umpires. Sorry. You know, um, it's been a past. It's been in the past where the uh, MLB has punished umpires. They punished Joe West one time. They punished Bob Davidson one time. When was the last time the NFL punished a referee? I think the last was a fine on Brad Rogers or somebody. I don't know. Brad Rogers was actually yesterday's referee. So it was like an incident. I mean, I don't know if he got fined, but it was an incident a couple of years ago when a Bills player was like confrontational with Brad Rogers after the game. So, you know, 
And I think that Bills player actually ended up getting fined. So, uh, Daniel Jones threw two picks. Now, when I say he turned into Eli, I don't mean he fucking, you know, decided to sleep in the pocket. No, I don't say that meaning that. Um, you know, there was a point in 2018 where everybody got pissed off at Eli. Uh, um, you know, the offensive line, it was like weeks four and five, I would say. Um, week three, not really, because that's where we got a first win, you know, all the other stuff. So, around week four, week five, uh, Giants reformed their offensive line in week three. It was Nate Solder, Will Hernandez, um, John Greco, Patrick Omama, and Chad Wheeler. The offensive line wasn't the greatest, but they were giving him, I would say, a sufficient amount of time to throw a ball downfield. You know, there were many times that Beckham was open. There were many times that, I don't know, maybe Sterling Shepard was open. You know, I would have to go back and watch, like, the details. But, you know, a lot of people were getting pissed at him. You know, he throw, throw the ball downfield. And Odell Beckham even criticized him on a stupid radio show by, hosted by Josina Anderson, who's now fired from ESPN. You know, anyone fucking liked her. I don't know. And then Lil Wayne. So, you know. And then people came out defending Odell. Oh, yeah, he's right. Yeah, but you don't call out your quarterback. That's just like a head coach calling out, you know, maybe a player. I mean, you know, you just don't do that. You just don't do that, even even when you're just trying to get uh, popularity. And, you know, Giants fans still miss Odell. Primarily on Instagram page on uh, on Instagram. I get pissed with that guy a lot. I'm considering unfollowing him, honestly. Uh, but, yeah, he pretty much turned to Eli, you know, couldn't receive. He pretty much turned to Eli, couldn't read receivers downfield. Uh, he couldn't, you know, with that one play... I would rather him step out of the pocket, uh, second interception I'm talking about, or just taking the sack. Could have thrown another intentional grounding penalty. Flag. Intentional grounding penalty. I would rather have that. Moral victories cannot be the height of play. That cannot be the trophy for this team this year. It can't. You know, where this team ends up 1-15, which they probably won't because I think they could compete for other games and win. Um... Whether it's two and fourteen, uh, four and twelve, five and eleven, maybe six and ten, but they don't really have an easy schedule coming up. Whether it's three and thirteen, you can't say we competed in a lot of games this year. Yes, that's a positive from last year. The team couldn't compete for shit. We have more talent. Doesn't mean it's the greatest talent. No, does not mean that. But you had a better talent level than you did last year. Okay. And you have a better coach. You have better coaches, period. Because, you know, Patrick Graham, compared to James Betcher, you know, that's just like uh, Patrick Graham comparing, in that comparison, he's a rocket scientist compared to James Betcher. Because a lot of people feel that James Betcher copied and pasted uh, what Todd Bowles did. And Bowles looks like a genius for the Bucks right now. So, you know, I can't be too mad uh, about that. But, again, the moral victories... You know, you can't just say, oh, we competed. And I'm not ripping Joe Judge. I'm not ripping, you know, the Giants as, you know, whoever's saying that. But, you know, obviously this team needs to find out how to win. Because going into next season, presumably everything is normal. You're going to have fans in the stands. You might have an offseason. So you'll be more prepared. If the Giants hang on to Daniel Jones, hopefully everything is better. So you can't be recurring from your same steps as, oh, um, you know, we're competing. We're not getting the victories, but we're competing. You can't translate that in next year. can't do that. 
because at least my expectations for next year, I don't care who we pick in the draft unless you decide to pick a QB for some reason. Um, and my expectation is that we compete for the playoffs. I'm sorry. But, you know, there's like four holes that the Giants need to fix in order to be a playoff team. That's how close they are. And they didn't even win football games. Joe Judge needs to be more aggressive. Uh, any other negatives that I missed on, you guys can, you know, call me out and say, hey, you missed this, you missed this, you missed that. Whatever. Let's go with points to make. So, obviously, Daniel Jones, every single game this season, has given up turnover. Fumble, interception. It's been very hard to watch as a Giants fan. really has. Um, especially if you believe in your quarterback. A lot of people don't. A lot of people don't. And, you know, it's their decision if they want to act like that on Twitter. Or, you know, Twitter is probably one of the worst places to probably debate somebody because you'll get so much shit back. It's not even funny. But I have uh, the most followers on Twitter compared to my Instagram page. So I have like 730 compared to like 200. So um, obviously the comparison is different there. But, you know... Um, if Daniel Jones keeps making mistakes, the Giants are going to be faced with a tough decision. Either you move on from him, or you see what year three brings. In a positive argument in favor of Jones, you have to say, okay, uh, not all of his receivers play every day, meaning the fact that um, you know they don't get separation a lot, they drop passes, okay. The offensive line is still building, okay. There was no offseason, okay? Jason Garrett cannot call plays on occasion, okay? Now you go to the negative. Daniel Jones is in his second year. He's missed receivers a lot so far. You know, in training camp, they went over how many times for him to stop fumbling the football. Stop making those stupid interceptions and throws. You're in year two, man. You're at sixth overall. And if I'm coming from an against Daniel Jones spectrum... Sixth overall, it's your second year. But again, you have to take those other things into account. That's why I'm not going to say whether I should move on from Daniel Jones or not, or whether the Giants should, I should say. So, um, and if the Giants roll with Daniel Jones, let's just say, you know, take away the turnovers. He keeps playing like average. You know, he keeps playing like, you know, maybe he did yesterday without the two turnovers. They're going to have to accept at some point, if he keeps playing like that, that he's not sixth overall value. And they're going to have to stare themselves in the face. They're going to have to look in the mirror. They're going to have to say two things. Those two things are, do we roll with Daniel Jones in the case that, listen, we bought him to him, we bought into him six overall, and we needed a quarterback. We needed a quarterback, and he was our guy. We took him. Or do they say, next year or whenever they make this decision they say do we move on because simply he is not sixth overall value and we are gravely disappointed that's my question really is huge question for this Giants team and this is the organization and you know it's a tough decision to be in tough spot on Friday when the preview comes out just to let you guys know um, if I get Jordan on hopefully I do 
we're going to evaluate weeks one through eight. You know, we're going to at least say, you know, we took away this from, you know, this game. We're going to do this from this game. Uh, overall, I would say diagnosis of this football team. So, going back to my Jones conversation, those are two questions you got to ask yourself. If they roll with Jones, do they say, listen, you know, if they roll with Jones, they got to ask this question. Do they ask themselves, is he sixth overall value and we drafted him to be a star quarterback? Or, on the other hand, you say, did we draft him to replace Eli because he's our guy? Another tough decision the Giants got to make, honestly. And, you know, I'm going to go into my defense mechanism here when it comes to Daniel Jones. Uh, obviously, he blew the game last night for the Giants. I will admit that, okay? I will admit that. Who got us back into that game? Who got us back into that game when the defensive line was pressuring? Who got us back into that game with Golden Tate's catch? With the throw. Who, going back to the first drive, or one of the first drives, who made that throw to Deion Lewis in the end zone? Daniel Jones. People are rooting against the quarterback. And, you know, some guy on Twitter uh, replied to me, and he said, yeah, I'm rooting against the quarterback, and I'm rooting against Dave Gettleman because I want both of them gone. Because he wants Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. So, you know. And then... Um, you know, people don't call out what Daniel Jones does right. It's only what he does wrong. And to people, for five things Daniel Jones does wrong, he does it right. Which is not necessarily true. But my point I'm trying to come across with is here. You know, you saw Twitter last night, at least negative Giants Twitter. Another group chat I'm in. You saw that. I didn't hear anything. I heard crickets when Daniel Jones threw that touchdown to Deion Lewis. I heard crickets when Golden Tate caught that touchdown from Daniel Jones. Whether or not the two-point conversion was good or not, everybody was silent on that touchdown. Everybody was silent on the other touchdown. You can't and I mean you can't, you cannot evaluate yourself as a fan if you're going to land yourself on one side and not evaluate the other. If you think Daniel Jones is the worst quarterback in the league, fine. You have to assess what he does good. You know, there's a difference between liking the Giants and being a fan of the Giants. Or even, you know, people who claim they know football. That's their loss. That's my opinion on that. You know, I might not sound I might not sound like the, you know, the energy guy I usually am. But I am saying the same stuff about the fan base, about Daniel Jones, about this whole entire team. That's where it comes down to. Play more of Wayne Gallman. I said this before and I'll say it again. Uh Wayne Gallman should be the number one back moving forward this season. You know, I don't care, you know, oh, DeMonta Freeman's coming back. Oh, uh, 
you know, we still have Alfred Morris. Oh, we still have Deion Lewis. No, Wayne Gallman should be that guy. You know, I've been preaching that he stays for the longest time now. I'm not saying give him a big extension. Give him a big contract because I don't know when his contract ends. I think it's this year or next year. I'm not saying that. But, you know, he's literally giving you the rush yards that the offensive line doesn't give you. You noticed on some plays last night, Alfred Morris would get two yards. Deion Lewis, I don't think he rushed it all, but, you know, Alfred Morris got two yards, maybe on a play. Wayne Goldman could have gotten five, could have gotten seven, because he breaks to that second layer of the defense. Whether the offensive line is blocking or not, Honestly, he was the reason I did not want Saquon Barkley in 2018. I wanted Josh Allen. I'm going to be straightforward with that right now. I wanted Josh Allen. People around me, Giants fans, you know, I wasn't necessarily on Twitter at that time because I really criticized Twitter. But, like, Instagram I was. But, like, going back to, you know, when I was freshman year in my old high school, people around me, Giants should draft Saquon Barkley. They could get a quarterback next year. I'm not going to rule on whether I was right on that decision or not. I might rule later on, though, whether Saquon Barkley, you know, whether he was the right decision or not. But, that's the reason I wanted Wayne Gallman. That's the reason I didn't want Wayne Gallman. That's the reason I didn't want Saquon Barkley. Is because Wayne Gallman, you know, he wasn't a perfect back. He wasn't something that was, you know, MVP candidate. But he was a good running back. He's a solid running back. And again, you know, if the Giants fans don't like Dwayne Gallman, play Devonta Freeman. Play Deion Lewis. Play Alfred Morris. Just cut Wayne Gallman. How much are you paying him anyway? If you're, the, if you're the GM of the team, cut him. Right now. Come on. Exactly. Because you know Wayne Gallman produces in the backfield, when Alfred Morris doesn't, when Devonta Freeman sometimes doesn't, when Deion Lewis sometimes doesn't. Again, I'm running through the same shit over and over again. It's kind of like 2020. Anyway, uh, somehow put Lemieux into the rotation, look very good. I'm going to go ahead and do something I've done a lot. Uh, fuck PFF. Fuck Pro Football Focus. I don't care, you know, what they say. Uh, if you literally listen to them because of this grade I'm about to say right now, you are actually a fucking clown. And you need to specifically tell me, specifically tell me, why Shane Lemieux got a 12 grade in pass protection. Was he that bad? Now, he had five pressures on the night, apparently, but they categorize pressures differently than, say, somebody like Bobby Skinner or Nick Filato because they watch the film. Okay, they count pressures, and Pro Football Reference counts pressures different from Pro Football Focus. They focus on the bias. That's what they focus on. That's Pro Football Focus for you. You need to tell me why Shane Lemieux got a 12 grade. He's at about 34 right now. Now, I don't pay attention to grades a lot. I really don't care for it. You know, I'll reference it maybe once in a while, you know, just to put, like, reference on it to know that I'm right on an occasion. You know, trying to prove my point. But was he that bad? Was he that bad? 
because maybe he was given up five pressures. Like, I get that. But was his bad play impacting Daniel Jones every second? No, it wasn't. Because if he should have deserved the 12th grade in pass protection, he should have been given up a pressure. He should have been blowing up a block every single solitary snap. Pass protection snap. I would like to see what he got in the running game. He probably got a two. He probably got a freaking ten for all I know. He made some key blocks out there. I saw it with my own eyes. But anyone, any Giants fan who continues to back up PFF and doesn't question that, I would like to debate them on Twitter. Or even, you know what? Fuck that. Fuck that. I'll bring them on here. I'll debate them from here. I don't care if I watch film or not. I don't care. That's stupid. That's idiocy by Pro Football Focus. They are biased. And Vincent Rapisardi, you know, I reference him a lot, I know. But in one of his videos, he was talking about Pro Football Focus. You know, they're biased because they justify based on quarterbacks and stuff like that. What's a turnover-based play and what's a, uh, uh, a good throw? Because they have turnover-worthy plays and they have great throws. That's how they justify the quarterback passes. So I would like to know what Daniel Jones got. But then again... You know, it's pro football focus. Uh, otherwise, Shane Lemieux did well, in my opinion. I mean, a lot of people are going to go with film breakdowns, and I'm probably going to watch the film myself probably after this and see what Lemieux did in the run blocking, the pass blocking game. Listening wasn't anything perfect. He was decent. You know, he wasn't giving up 1,600 pressures a game, or at least a snap, or whatever. But there's no reason he deserves a fucking 12. Get Fleming out of the tackle spot. Now, Andrew Thomas did well other than the JPP sack. He got beat on another snap, I believe. But he did well in pass protection. This was his best game beside the steel game. And somebody brought up, is he only good on Monday Night Football? My question is, is he only good against posing threats like the Steelers and the Bucks? Because Chicago, he didn't do that well, but he did better than the games he would, I would say, come with. Because 49er game, he rest. Rams game, he regressed. The Cowboys game, he regressed. You know, the Rams, I'll leave them out for right now. Uh, What's their faces? The 49ers didn't have all their defensive linemen. And look at the Cowboys. They're a horrible defense. They traded away Everson Griffin. And they weren't, you know, a good defense. They're still not a good defense. So, is he just good against teams that are over 500 that have, like, the best pass rushers in the league? I don't know. Maybe he just sets a lower standard. I don't know. That has to fix... It has to get fixed. Because that standard doesn't apply. But let's go with Cameron Fleming. Now, apparently, um, you know, a lot of people... So let's go with Cameron Fleming here. Uh, I want him out of that right tackle spot. Now, everybody's going to say, oh, well, they're rotating him right now, just like they are Shane Lemieux, just in case Kevin Zeitler gets traded. Look, you know what? Uh, I've seen enough of Cameron Fleming. I really have. And, you know, we face Washington next week. Ryan Kerrigan got a sack on him. You know, he sacked Daniel Jones off of Cameron Fleming's side. Are we going to do that again? And I don't care if Fleming gave up a sack today. I'm just sick and tired of seeing him in there. Parrott looks good at the tackle spot. He really does, in my opinion. You know, it's a hint to the future for him. It really is. So... You know, going into next season, you know, even maybe after the bye, are we going to be playing him primarily at right tackle? Or are we just, just going to keep favoring Cameron Fleming? 
Because what Joe Judge mentioned in the beginning of the year when he was the head coach, you know, hired, uh, he's like, you know, we're not going to prioritize contracts. We're going to prioritize how they play. Yeah, Cameron Fleming's not playing that well. You know, you could say Matt Parrott, oh, he's a rookie. What are the signs pointing to? Honestly, you know, in a lot of snaps, in my opinion, this is my take. I just came up with it. You're not going to see a lot of weaknesses based off 20 snaps a game. Now, when you get an extended number of snaps, you will see the weaknesses. And that's what you know you will have to work on. That's what you know you'll have to work on. Based on an extended number of snaps. Maybe he plays 20 snaps, he doesn't show anything, like a weakness. Maybe his footwork messes up an extended number of snaps. Maybe that's the case. Who knows? Maybe that's the case. Maybe if you extend his snaps, you could work on stuff with him. And maybe he could be a, I would say, solid tackle. Going into next year. Because Cameron Fleming ain't staying around. If he does, you know, it's going to be interesting. Because Nate Solder's coming back. Another question for the Giants next year. A lot of questions. Um, need to put more consistent pressure on the QB. Look, you could say, oh, the Giants got two sacks last night. Leonard Williams and Carter Coughlin. They did put pressure on the QB. But I just don't think it was consistent enough in the first-time basis. Like a first-I-look basis. You know, uh... And I was talking with NY Giants Rush uh, this morning on Twitter. And, you know, he said, look, you know, having a number one pass rusher in this system is not really going to help us because you need a dominant guy. You can't just have Lorenzo Carter, O'Shane Zimenez, Kyler Fackrell. You can't have rotational guys. You know, we won Super Bowls with Justin Tuck, Osin Minora, you know, Michael Strahan, JPP. Those guys, those are number one pass rushers. JPP, maybe now he's not. But those are number one pass rushers that can impact the game. None of these guys can impact the game. I'm sorry. You know, Patrick Graham, I love what he's doing. He's trying to dial up some crazy-ass shit to put pressure on the quarterback. I understand to the fullest of what he's trying to do. But Tom Brady, coming into that game, and I said it on the last podcast episode... You need to put pressure on the quarterback. You need to put pressure on Brady. That's how many times, you know, they've done it in past Super Bowls. You need to put pressure on the quarterback. Consistently. I'm not saying blitz the shit out of him. Because then you have a secondary that doesn't know what they're doing. He has, like, meaning Tom Brady, has, like, one of the fastest times. I don't know how to describe it really um, in better words. But I think it's, like, 2.7 seconds he gets the ball out. I don't know. But it's one of the fastest in the league, so Patrick Graham needs to think, okay, I need to pressure him. Obviously, we're not facing Brady again this season. We're going to be facing him next season because we're facing the NFC South, so that's going to be, what, five years in a row? 2017, 2018, 2019, 2021. So we'll be next year. No matter a doubt. But again, you need to put pressure on the quarterback consistently, especially in this situation. If it's quarterback that stays in the pocket long, I could get it. You know, if you had... I would say Daniel Jones, which he's been blitz on 73% of the pass plays he's had this season. Which means that defenses have figured him out and say, okay, let's put the pressure on him, make a mistake. You know, he won't throw downfield. He'll just throw it into a tight route and get intercepted. But again, you need to put consistent pressure on the QB. You know, again, to finish off this topic, I like what he's doing. I really do. But at the same time, I think we need a number one. That's why I said Gregory Rizzo next year. My final point to make is, you know, it didn't really show up in this game. But you could say it could have. And I said I was going to get to it later. 
we need a cornerback two and a linebacker two. Ryan Lewis, he was out this game. And, you know, David Mayo played a little bit. And also, uh, Devontae Downs played a little bit. You need to get serious inside linebacker two and cornerback two. I'm not saying, you know, fix all the holes. Well, really, in an ideal situation, they would do that. You know, um, every team has a hole somewhere. Whether it's cornerback two or maybe it's safety two or it's free safety, strong safety. I don't know. Every team is a whole, but if it's keeping us from possibly doing something extra that could possibly win us a game, Giants need to spend or need to go with a draft next year, draft Michael Parsons or Patrick Certain. That's what they need to do, in my opinion. One of those two guys, or maybe you get a wide receiver or defensive end. You know, you need to upgrade those positions. Because Ryan Lewis, he's a good depth guy. As Vincent put it, he's not going to come back next year and make the cornerback two position, unless some injury. Devontae Downs, he hasn't showed me shit this year, so I don't think he's coming back next year. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Real quickly before I end the podcast episode, I'm going to present the snap counts to you guys. Let's go with offense first. So for Zeitler, Yates, Thomas, and Jones, and Shane Lemieux, they played 74 snaps, which was 100%. Darius Slayton played 68 snaps, that's 92%. Evan Ingram played 61 snaps, 82%. And Sterling Shepard played 70%, 52 snaps. Cameron Fleming played 51 snaps, 69%. Caden Smith played 42 snaps, that's 57%. Golden Tate played 38 uh, snaps, 51%. Wayne Gallman played 32 snaps, 43%. Matt Parrott played 24 snaps, 32%. Also to add to that, Levine Toy Lolo, he didn't have a good night. Uh, 21 snaps, 28%. 21 snaps, 28% for Deion Lewis. Same thing with Alfred Morris. Austin Mack, 10 snaps, 14%. Elijah Penny, 3 snaps, 4%. Take a look at the defensive side. James Bradbury, Isaac Yadom, Logan Ryan. Uh, actually, not Logan Ryan. Blake Martinez, those three guys. 70 snaps, 100% of the snaps. Logan Ryan, 97%, 68 snaps. Uh, Jabril Peppers, 94%, 66 snaps. Kyler Fackrell, 91% of the snaps, 64 snaps. Leonard Williams, uh, 55 snaps, 79%. Darnay Holmes, 70%, 49 snaps. Dexter Lawrence, 43 snaps, 61%. Dalvin Thompson, only 51% uh, with 36 snaps. David Mayo, he played a little more. 35 snaps, 50%. Same thing with Julian Love. You look at Jabal Sheard, he actually played more, obviously, knowing this first game. 34 snaps, 49%. Uh, B.J. Hill, uh, 27 snaps, 39%. Uh, Trent Harris, 15 snaps, 21%. Devontae Downs, 14 snaps, 20%. Austin Johnson, 7 snaps, 10%. Cam Brown, 4 snaps, 6%. Same thing with Madre Harper. Same thing with Carter Coughlin. Coughlin, actually, one of those snaps, obviously got a sack. But uh, those are the snap counts. Ebner, Brunson, and Ballantyne, they did not play on the defense this week. So, obviously... You know, they didn't get any snaps at all. But anyway, thank you guys for watching, listening, wherever you are. Thank you to the 259 viewers in total that we got last night on the Sportscast stream. I want to do that again. I just need to figure out when I want to do that. Because obviously we got a lot of traction last night and the Giants don't have any more primetime games. So maybe I'll just like do it for, I don't know, a playoff game. Something like that. Or maybe if someone uh, gets COVID or something and then shifts that towards the uh flexing of a schedule and maybe the giants end up on sunday night football i don't know um but anyway thank you guys uh 
subscribe to the YouTube channel, still posting on there. Um, don't like YouTube a lot, but again, you know, I still post on there, get the views. Uh, 40 subscribers, go on our Twitter page, Instagram page, follow for updates and lots of content. Uh, listen to our podcast episodes on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Overcast, and CastBox. And uh, that's pretty much it. Thank you guys for supporting. Thank you guys for the donations on Sportscaster. And uh, we'll see you on Friday or Saturday. Thanks, guys.